goals can only be reached through the vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon which we must vigorously act. There's not another route to success. That is a quote from Picasso about doing creative work. So welcome to the show. In this episode, what we're doing is we're helping you design a plan by which you can make a dream, whether it's around a project that you're working on, um, you know, finishing that screenplay, writing a novel, um, putting an event together, building a product, or if you want to make a major change in your life, designing a new outlook for your life. Whether you're doing either of those, we have to make a plan. And so this is part three of our ongoing series where I'm breaking down different elements of my book, my best-selling book, Creative Calling. In this episode, we're uncorking the design phase of the of the three, or sorry, of the four phases. Again, imagine, design, execute, and amplify. If in the previous episode that you may have listened to on the podcast, we're talking about how to dream big, how to imagine what we want for ourselves, this one is all about the doing. Now, unfortunately, you can't adopt a creative mindset just by listening to this podcast or by reading the book. Repetition of corresponding actions is what's necessary to make the change you want to see in, in your life. Changing your mindset requires a consistent effort and putting this set of beliefs to work. That's what this is about. And that is actually a little excerpt from uh, part of the class today, part of the vision that I have of making this available in audio. Again, a lot of this is a request from you. It's been a really fun process to be talking about creative calling and to helping people tap into their dreams and career, hobby, and life every Saturday morning for uh, a couple hours at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And it's not too late. If you still want to do that, you can go to creativelive.com slash book club. Um, but this is the audio version of what we covered a couple Saturdays ago. And one of the reasons I love this is because it also we're capturing the questions from a virtual audience. Uh, sometimes we they, they write in questions, you know, in the live chat function. Um, we've even had a couple of video guests that we're going to do a little bit more of in the in the future here in a couple more of these episodes. But for today, we've got three main topics also that we want to get into. One is how to develop uh, the results that you want through consistent action. Thing two is how to prioritize work because let's just face it, it's really easy to do a lot of other things besides the work. This is all about being intentional, about creating space, about setting yourself up for success, about being busy, not effective, about working on things that are important, not just urgent, like having to take out the garbage, for example. We talk about auditing your time. We talk about time management, auditing finances, but mostly this is about guarding your dreams. And then lastly, but not leastly, we talk about how to engage in working, actually stopping the fiddling and starting the doing and not being obsessed or judging the quality early on in this process. This is very hard for people and that's why we spend a lot of time on it. So if any of those things or all of them sound interesting to you, I think you're going to get a ton of value out of today's conversation. Again, I've already directed you once. If you do want to go back and listen to all six 
versions. They're going to be on the podcast, but uh, specifically, if you want to watch the video, you can go to creativelive.com slash book club. Otherwise, just enjoy this. Uh, in, a, in a sense, it's me. It's um, a speech, a presentation, if you will, uh, augmented with some amazing questions from an in-studio uh, in studio audience and or online chat. So look forward to hearing any feedback that you've got. Again, this is coming at a request. So many of you wanted to hear an audio version. So happy to bring that to you. Enjoy. Uh, before we get into it, just a super quick word from Creative Live in case you haven't heard this announcement before. It's a good one. And then we're going to get right into the show. Hey, y'all. Hey, uh, new sponsor alert. So this episode of Chase Jarvis Live is brought to you by Creative Live. And you all know, yeah, of course, I am the founder of that company. But I got to just be straight up. This is unequivocally, no questions asked, the best place in the world for creator and entrepreneurial education. I mean, frankly, nothing even comes close, and it's the only one that's focused specifically on photography, design, video, art, music, craft, and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all those disciplines. It's where the best teachers in the world, where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best go to teach. So, of course, I'm biased, but I, I just encourage you to check it out because nothing else comes close. And you will be on your way to join millions of other folks in our creative community there learning from the world's top experts. Okay, that's it. That's my soapbox. That is the commercial, and we'll hope to see you over Creative Life. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome. Uh, I want to say hello and thanks for joining us this morning on a Saturday morning or for those folks in the UK and I know there's a lot of you and Europe and Australia and South Africa. It's probably a very different time. Um, it's 10 a.m. Pacific time here at my place in Seattle. wanted to welcome you uh, to the next, um, the next, what would this be the third part in a six part series? Um, I know there's some of us who are joining for the first time, so I wanted to welcome you. And there are others who have been here since day one. Uh, I wanna say thanks so much. And for those of you who um, might be seeing a new view right now, we're experimenting. And um, as I'm always doing with the Creative Live team here, pushing us to experiment with the hopes of making the experience for you all on the other end of the line more interesting and dynamic and engaging. Um, so, uh, I also wanted to let you know that the, the people who are, um, in an in-studio audience right now, they are a, a member of the text group, uh, last week or two weeks ago, last week I gave out my phone number so that we can have a texting relationship. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Uh, it's 206-309-5177. So those folks joined this text group and we sent out a little text this morning and asking, inviting anyone in that group to um, be a part of this experiment, an in-studio audience where I can see your faces coming at me live from all over the world. And it's lovely to see you. Um, wave if you can hear me or a thumbs up or a smile or something. Um, and so those folks are uh, a part of this text community, and I would invite anyone to join, um, regardless if you are a part of that in-studio audience or not. Um, we are also broadcasting live at the class page at Creative Live, at Creative Live TV, uh, maybe even on Instagram this morning, Facebook Live, and YouTube. So if you are participating from any one of those platforms, welcome to you as well. Um, I want to do a quick recap and then I'm going to ask for a little participation from some folks in the text group. So get your um, hands ready to raise because I'm going to call on someone. 
Um, the question that I have for you, or the I guess maybe the the recap, is in the first week we set up this course, we set up this book club. Um, we talked about the power of creativity. Uh, that it's often misunderstood. Creativity is thought to be um, art or it's thought to be um, popsicle sticks and glitter and glue, what we're taught when we're kids. And what we established in that first meeting, um, that creativity actually underpins the solutions to every problem we will ever know. And that creativity with a capital C is the ability to create anything. Everything around us was created and therefore creativity is the most fundamental um, of, of human powers. And therefore we need to cultivate it if we want anything to happen in our lives. And this is not something we're often taught. Uh, we established that we're going to go through four parts, the parts that mirror the book, I D E A, uh, that would be imagination, design, execution, and amplification. So in the first week, we covered the intro. Last week, we were talking about imagining how we've largely lost our ability to think big for ourselves because it's not your fault. Don't worry about it. Don't blame yourself. Don't beat yourself up. But we're programmed from culture and from our parents and our career counselors. And often what's confusing about this is those are people we love and respect and they've, they've sort of ushered us into this world. And yet they're telling us um, very, very concretely in some cases, what to do and become and how to be in the world. And the reality is that that is toxic because not because those people don't love you, but because the world is constantly changing and what is true for them is probably not true for you, or it's only partially true in so many areas of your life. So we talked last week about imagining what we want for this one precious life and acknowledging that our precious life is made up of precious moments and precious projects and precious relationships. And it's only through imagining what we want in those small ways that we understand that we can imagine what we want for this one precious life that we had. So we reviewed um, what are our values, our relationships with money, our relationships with control in our life, um, our relationships with a lot of the people that have programmed us and how do we change that? How do we break free such that we can draw a picture for ourselves uh, of what we want and what's possible? And this is true, the IDEA framework, I-D-E-A, again, whether this is an individual creative project or your life. And it's only through creating in small projects that we understand that we can do that in the macro. So I'm going to uh, go to our little um, Zoom, our, what I'm calling our in-studio virtual audience. Um, and I would love to see from a show of hands, I'll call on someone. What were some of the things that you, um, that you found out through imagining over the course of the last week? What were some specific things that you decided you want to do? Just, you know, show of hands if someone wants to volunteer. I'm dying to see uh, if I can call on maybe one person who's brave, who imagined something last week. I'm going to unmute JD. JD Smith, welcome to the show. Tell us one thing that you imagined uh, in the last week that you want to change in your life. I am a creative person and I have always wanted to travel 
um, but my ability to think that I am, uh, I'm not as good as I think I am. And there's a lot of pressure to create good, powerful content um, is preventing me from really pushing forward. So my, my thing that I realize is that I have more um, power than I think I can, uh, that I think I do. And I think that I can mm -hmm. achieve my goal of traveling, doing videos and photography for whoever uh, wants to see my work. Great. Thank you for sharing. Um, we'll take one others. I'm not going to judge or comment on anyone's dreams because that's what your parents and your career counselor do. I think that's good to hear from you though, JD. Let's go with one other, if I may. Real quick here from the text group. Someone who's brave and willing to raise their hand. Yep. All right. And all right. I just asked you to unmute. That's Janet. Got it. Jeanette. Yes. Jeanette. Hi, Jeanette. Hi. I have me realized. Tell, yeah. Tell me what you're, uh, what, what, what have you imagined for this one precious life in the last oh, week? Sure. Um, finishing my documentary. It's wow. started and it's big and it's scary and it's personal. It's really big. And, and tell me, yeah, what, 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 what unlocked this for you? Because I think we, a lot of us sit there and we say, oh yeah, cool. I'm going to finish my documentary. But what was, what was different from uh, the way you were behaving, say three or four weeks ago and now? Uh, listening, well, reading uh, parts of the chapter, the assigned chapters that um, called us creatives on all our procrastinating garbage and actually just sitting down and doing it. It's, it's interesting oh. how much, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Thank you for sharing Jeanette. Our, this is a huge thing. Like we've, we've told ourselves a story so often. Um, and that story is part of what gets built from all the people and the culture that we live in people we live with the culture that we live in about again, what's, what's possible. And as soon as you start telling people about your dream, your big hairy dream, a lot of people um, will give you the side eye. And so it's understandable that you may have um, that whatever you were feeling four weeks ago, I hope that you're moving forward in that as, as, JD and Jeanette are. It's also curious to me that um, we still have to live with a lot of these folks. We still have to be in the culture. And so, you know, what we're going to talk about a lot today is designing the framework, not just to continue to pursuing our goal, to continue pursuit of our goals, but to establish ourselves because we have to, you know, we don't live in a different culture. We might be able to surround ourselves with a different cross section of people. But these are muscles that we have to develop the mindset and the vision for um, how we're going to achieve. If we spent the last week talking about what, and we're now moving on to that, to the how, um, these, a lot of these forces haven't gone away. So we need to um, be strong and, re and, and resist the temptation to slip back into the, um, into the habits that we used to have. So we're going to talk a lot about that um, in today's today's uh, conversation. 
So I do want to just give a shout out to a lot of the folks. We've got um, Wyoming, South Africa, New York. Oh, Christine can't hear us. Sorry about that, Christine. Maybe uh, try a couple of other platforms if you're on Facebook and you can't hear. Um, I see Hawaii in the house. Nice to see you. Um, so wherever you are and whatever you've imagined for yourself, the next step in achieving that is designing and designing a plan, a system. And we've also been sadly uh, talked into believing that there's a shortcut. And to Janet's or Jeanette's point, rather, this you know this idea of putting in the work seems scary, and it's it's often very safe to plan. So. I want to sort of underscore that the designing, you know, process, this should be 10% of your effort and 90% is the doing. So that's why I like to, you know, have some plans, make a series of um, constraints around what it is that I am doing and what I'm not doing, carve out time and space in a place, but then it's very, very important to get to work. Now, just because I want us to focus on 10% planning and 90% doing. We're going to spend 100% of the time today because today's conversation is specifically about planning. But uh, I'm also seeing that a bunch of folks have typed in the comments um, the things that they have. Uh, we've got a lot of folks from Canada, a lot of handful of folks here talking about how their their imagination was confined to what they've seen in the world. And that's very normal. And there's a phrase that I like to share, which is you, it's hard to be what you can't see. And, you know, someone here is commenting on my, the story of that I told in the book about the avalanche and my near death experience. That was a very, you know, this idea of not being able to be what I couldn't see. That honestly is what has defined this next chapter of my life, the part of that we're in right now. And I would encourage you to, of course, look around for examples of what it is that you want to do. But if you don't, if you don't see them, it's okay to think so big as to do things that have never been seen or that you're not aware of in the world. The chances are that the world's a big place and maybe someone is doing the thing that you didn't think was possible um, or that culture didn't think it was possible. But I, that's another really, really common roadblock. So my hope is that we can shift into um, designing a plan to achieve that dream, regardless of how big and hairy and scary it is. So I wanted to open today's commentary around designing our life with two things, two reads. One is the Picasso quote that I like, and uh, the second is um, from building a creative mindset, because I think this is foundational. So to kick us off, our goals can only be reached through a vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon which we must vigorously, vigorously act. There is no other route to success. Now, Picasso, wildly creative, um, one of the best you know, painters, the most recognized and renowned painters of the past uh, several hundred years, the fact that, you know, he was, again, wildly creative, but the fact that Picasso realized that structure and a plan was required to get wherever we're going, I think that sort of underpins this idea that 
this is a framework for life. We have to understand what our goals are and make them break them down into a series of steps in order to achieve anything. So in designing, we're going to be talking about what we do physically, what we do mentally, what we do tactically on a day-to-day basis, but also on a, you know, a monthly, a weekly, and, you know, depending on how big your goal or your vision for yourself is, um, some longer framework. The second part of the read that I'd like to, to uh, share with you before we get in is the following. It's on page 103. Unfortunately, you can't adopt a creative mindset just by reading this book. Repetition of corresponding actions is necessary to develop it. Changing your mindset requires the consistent effort of putting this set of work of beliefs to work. Think you're creative? Great. Then prove it by creating something today, tomorrow, and the next day. Only when you commit to a program of creative development where your ideas about talent and destiny start to melt away. Beware. The stronger your creative muscles get, the deeper and richer your work, and by extension, your life will become. This is potent medicine. The creative mindset is the launch pad for this virtuous cycle. So topic one, if we think of that as getting us into the material, what gets results? And you can tell from those, those very, um, those, those readings were chosen because they underscore this point. It's consistent creative practice. This, I can't overstate how important this consistency part is. And it's natural whenever we get excited about something. And I hope you had this experience when you read the book. The, there's just like a desire to run at something 100 miles an hour. The same is true for, say, a new exercise regimen or a diet or um, a, a TV series you watch. You want to binge watch the whole thing. And why I love that energy. And that's part of what aligning yourself with these visions that you have for this one precious life. Energy cultivation is critical. But here's what happens when we set ourselves up like that. We say, great, I'm going to you know, go to my studio and, or I'm going to write for two hours every morning on my novel. Or um, again, in Jeanette's case, I'm going to you know, edit in my basement on my documentary film you know, every day for five hours. And what we find is that when we do that for three days straight, we get burned out and we then take two days off. And it's in that two days off and that missing this missing our goals or falling short on the plans that we've made where I think the mindset um, creeps back in that this is too big. It's not possible. So I want to emphasize, and I think that the book does this. um, I want to emphasize consistency. Now, every one of the things that we do, every action that we take is a decision. And these decisions, they create our days and our days create our life. And you know, you see this in choosing to, to work out or watch Netflix, choosing to sleep versus stay up all night and try and cram for whatever it is. And so what I want you to focus on is that all you have to do is win tiny decisions over and over and over again. And you're going to find yourself progressing. Now, to me, this idea of setting meaningful goals um, is I think often overlooked 
And when I say meaning, this is sort of the part of this is why we talk about imagining what's big and scary and awesome and what we want for this one precious life. But how many of us, I would love to see a show of hands here in the textbook and maybe a, a, just through a, a comment in the chat, how many of us refer to the goals that we set or the patterns that we want to have in our life every day? Show of hands or type something into the chat if it's, if it's every, you refer to these every day. I see Heather's doing it. Um, who else is doing it? Ah, there's not too many of us. Oh, we got Mary Fox. Um, John, John Green, nice job, John. And I'm sure there are others and I'm looking at the chat here. Um, nice, Janice, got it. So I, I like to remind us that this is a really key aspect. This boils down to consistency and to mindset. And, and to me, these are key aspects of what it is that we're trying to um, to achieve, if you're not looking at them on a regular basis, I'll tell you how I do it. I have a little morning journal, um, and I have an app on my phone and my app on my phone is called habit list. I think I talked about this under the, maybe under the boosters and, and, um, zappers section, but I use a list, a thing called habit list. And what I have done over the course of um, the last, I would say, maybe five years of my life is I distill my daily routine, my morning routine and my daily habits down to a list of 10 things such that if I do these 10 things, I do not have any experience in my life from when I started this to now where I'm not consistently achieving my goals. Now, the thing that what's curious about this is it took me some time to establish what this list was. And there are things that used to be on that list that are no longer because they are ingrained in my day-to-day -day activities. I, I, they have become habits such that like brushing my teeth, for example, I don't have to put brush my teeth on my list of 10 things, but I have created a list of 10 things that if I do these 10 things, then I do not have the experience of making progress towards every aspect of my life. Now, I'll share with you some of what these, um, what these are for me. And I will then um, give you an example of a couple that I add when my goals change. So review my goals daily is one of the habits that I have. Visualize and gratitude. That's another set of, I put those two things together. I visualize what I want for my life and I have a, I'm grateful to be able, even in pursuit, I have a podcast that I recorded. If you Google my name, podcast, visualizing gratitude, there is a, I actually walk through one that you can listen to over and over. That's my own practice. I have to create or make something every day. I want to be in bed for eight hours. Notice that's not sleeping for eight hours because that's very hard for most adults. Um, but sleep is critical. I started tracking my sleep using the aura ring, which is this thing right here, O-U-R-A. I meditate in the morning. I meditate in the evening. I move my body every day. I consume 64 ounces of water. I eat either paleo or slow carb. I consume zero to one glasses of alcohol, mostly zero. I used to do three to five a day, just casually as a 
person who was in the creative field and partying and socialization was a big part of it. I honed that down to zero to one and I work out some sort of a strength training. I track that once a week. Now, in addition to those goals, I try and add one to two that is very specific to my goal. Now, I'm, I, I'm, I want to not reveal my current goal <laughs> that I'm working on, but I want to give you as an example, when I was writing this book, I had two goals. One was to write for 30 minutes every morning, and the other was to support, I called it book support, support some other aspect of the book that wasn't writing. Now, whether your habit list is two or 10, I, I think 10 is kind of a lot, but again, I've, I've mastered this. I've been doing it for you know a number of years. So if you had a list of three to five things that you did every day, I believe that you would, and you referred to that list often. Again, I have it in the list right here on my phone. Habit list is the name of the app that I use. You can use any, it doesn't matter if it's in paper or you write it on your mirror in lipstick, I don't care. But the point is I look at these things every day and I hold myself accountable. So um, I want to then, if you can wrap your brain around that, um, I think that is a huge foundation for developing um, the ability to get you from where you are to where you want to be. A lot of people call it discipline. A lot of people call it productivity. I don't, I don't love either of those. To me, this is very much about um, mindset. This is very much about framing the opportunity to do whatever it is that you want to do with this one precious life as an opportunity to pursue it. And if every day you have to do something, then I feel like you have not done a great job with imagining because the imagination part is supposed to light you up. It's supposed to be the thing that if you could do that, that this idea of infinite energy comes to mind. And to be fair, I, for, I spent, you know, 12, I calculated somewhere between 12 and 15 years doing the things that everybody else wanted. And it was when I decided to become a photographer, a creator and an entrepreneur that I suddenly had what amounted to almost infinite energy. So it doesn't matter wherever you have been. If you like me were a hundred thousand dollars in debt from pursuing an education and a thing you didn't need, it doesn't matter. Well, what matters is that you've designed this plan and designed a series of habits that can put you in the position to win. Now, um, I talked a lot about, um, I want to cover two things, boosters and zappers. Now, if you think about my list, the list that I just shared with you, and you go to that list in, in the book, um, that, you know, I want to ask a question of, of, you know, who has some favorite things that they do that on a day-to-day -day basis make them able to create. Um, and I'll, so I'll ask for um, some favorite boosters. I don't want to go into zappers because zappers, there's a lot of potential zappers out there, whether it's culturally or in your particular situation. But as you're thinking, and as I'm, you know, going to bring up one more point here, think about and maybe share in the comments um, something that you do that really lights you up, that is a creativity booster. And I don't remember what page these boosters are on. Maybe someone can, where is it? Okay, it's right there. It's on page 107 for those of you in the book, creativity boosters and zappers. Um, so I'm gonna go to the uh, phones here in just a second. 
I'll, I'm going to start with chat. So chat, uh, a couple of things that you've done that, um, that light you up that are creativity boosters. And while we're preparing for that, or while you're typing that into the comments, um, I'd like to share a, um, a creative pyramid, a graph with you, a chart, if you will. This is a chart that I'm, um, it's wickedly simple, but it's something that, that I developed, um, again, through deconstructing my own successes and failures and the successes and failures of hundreds of people that I've had on the podcast, really, really in-depth conversations with my mentors, with um, my peers in the creative community. And I think there's something that's very beautiful in the, in the most simple, and that is the relationship of your mindset and your habits to your goals. Because we use those things almost interchangeably. And um, team, maybe you could put that up on the uh, up on the screen here. The relationship between mindset, habits, and goals. So if you don't see that, um, it is on page 106. I think uh, we've got it there. So we talked a lot about, uh, you know, what our goals are. That's, that's the imagination part last week. We're sort of, I'm, I'm trying to frame this conversation like it's, it's only the things that you do on a regular basis that will allow you to, to, to reach those goals. And at the bottom of this pyramid is what I consider the most important part. And that is what's your headspace? Because having noticed when I'm successful and not successful is, you know, and, and track that for years and then done the same with many of my peers for the world's top performers in whatever area of discipline they chose to focus on. The thing, the number one thing that set them apart was their mindset. And the number two thing was their habits. They were relentless about their habits. And that's why I talk about you know, creativity being a daily practice rather than something that you do in fits and spurts. I like the sit down and get to work. But, you know, if you think about the relationship here, of course, it makes tons of sense. But I hope to have this be so simple in your mind that it's intuitive, that it's you, you don't have to operate like this on a regular basis or that you don't have to think about this on a regular basis, that it's just ingrained in your DNA. And this is part of why I like tracking things. This is part of like why I like writing things down. To me, the, the foundation of all of this stuff is mindset, the series of behaviors that we track every day is it's only through thing one and thing two that you achieve thing three, which is your goals. So I'm going to, uh, I would love to, do, I'll go to someone on the Zoom call in just a second. Tell me one, two, or three things that are creativity boosters for you that you like to do um, on a, some sort of a regular, consistent basis, whether it's daily or weekly. I'm looking in the chat. Um, oh, cleaning. Isabella says cleaning her desk. Um, let's see here. Andy's talking about a very specific photo that he goes out to make. Oh man, now they're coming in too, too fast for me to read. Elsa Vert talks about um, surrounding environment with nice music. Um, let's go to the Zoom call here. Hands up folks, if you wanna volunteer a couple of creative boosters. All right, um, let's, we got Heather, uh, let's see, Heather, I'm gonna unmute you. I think I'm doing that right. 
I asked you to unmute there, Heather. There you go. Go for it. Whoop, you muted again, Heather. There you go. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome. Okay. Tell us a couple hey. of things that are creativity boosters that you do. This is new since I started book club. Um, sent you a picture of my paint by numbers and I've been journaling every day. The painting is just relaxation, but it's just making room to, to try to relax and de-stress. It's a fantastic, like things that have multiple positive effects on us, right? That are honing a craft, whether it's writing and things that we also find to nourish us or replenish us rather than drain us. Um, that's great. Thank you for sharing, Heather. Um, anybody else in the in this tech Zoom? Uh, let's see. Let's go to Jen. I'm going to unmute you, Jen. Give us a couple. Jen Agan. Can you hear me? Sound great. Oh, great. Um, I think for me, things like what we're doing now, uh, collaboration is infectious, right? So it kind of bouncing the ideas and that energy. And then the second uh, thing I like to do is any type of meditation where they talk about your dharma and what is your authentic voice and then how you can implement that. So that's kind of the things that get me jazzed. And oh, um, I love poetry and poetry slams because I, it's just, again, collaborative and pretty cool. Right. It's, so what I heard was I heard things like community, right? Whether it's at a poetry slam or you're getting together physically or here digitally. These are things where, you know, honestly, this is why we're doing the book club because I know the power of community. And notice that that is not in my list of 10 things, 10 habits that I track, because I made a career out of community. I made a career out of writing and publishing and sharing and building creative live. Like that is 100% community. So it's no surprise, Jen, that you, you know, again, this is a really common thread and it's something that I had to you know, you think of the videos that I made, the other 50% of it's not intuitive to build community for so many people. This of course will come back into play in, you know, week five, uh, in, in the, the final check section of the book, but it's important to think of that as a habit that you can build through showing up at, at places like this, whether it's daily or weekly. Um, great. I appreciate you volunteering and let's take, um, I'm going to take one more from the comments here in chat, and then I'll go back to Zoom. Um, ooh, co-creator Marcia says two things. She had has a vision wall that she reviews every day, and she's got three things, cleaning her desk, which has already been said, and walking in nature. Now, it's interesting to me that something as disconnected from the creative process, walking in nature, for example, how it can be a habit that gives us juice. I don't know about you all, but one of the things that I found so hard about um, the beginning of the pandemic was I was just sitting at home attached to my screen and that was all I did. I woke up in violation of all of my own <laughs> philosophies about creativity. I rolled out of bed into my phone or my laptop. I was connected to my team basically for 16 or 17 hours. And then I missed the most simple things in life, with, which is like, connecting to my partner, connecting to the world. And in a world where it's 
you know, dangerous to be outside that was confounded now through social distancing and other safe practices, the ability to connect and remember that we're a part of something bigger is a very rejuvenative thing. So again, I, I love hearing that that's a booster. And I'm going to go right back to uh, the Zoom call now and look for one other folk to raise their hand and share some creativity boosters with us. Okay, um, oh, so many hands, it's very hard. I'm gonna do two, I'm gonna go to Luisa Lopez first and then I'm gonna go to Mike Galvez. Go ahead, Luisa. Hi, yes, um, the first thing I like to do is make my bed because it's a visual like, okay, I got a task accomplished and then immediately I will meditate for about 30 minutes and then I'll walk the stairs for 30 and then I have coffee and I'm good, I'm ready to go. I love that they're like you you've got your routine and that's part of what I'm asking you to build. And before I go to Mike, uh just remember like none of these things actually have anything to do with your craft yet. This is just setting up. This is why what I like, you know, I go back to the creative pyramid, right? Mindset is a lot of these things are orienting us for the day, orienting us around our big vision, orienting us to be able to get to work. And it's almost like this foundation of self-care up here. Thanks for putting that back on the screen, uh, team. Um, thank you for sharing that, Luisa. And then we're going to go to Mike, Mike Galvez. I'm going to unmute you right here, bud. Go for it. All right. Um, so I like to turn on the tunes first thing in the morning. Uh, it's a big thing for me. And I go on a walk with my wife every morning. That's another must do every every single day we've been doing it since COVID started um we have a pretty quiet neighborhood so we do that every morning and lately i've noticed that another big booster for me is getting on calls with friends that have you know similar interests in, in crafts that they're working on and things that they're working on very similar to the whole collaboration uh thing that uh jen was talking about yeah yeah it's 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 easy for us to pass over you know these foundational things like connection but as a reminder, we're social animals, right? That is part of why you got yourself into the position you did without having pursued your goal right out of the gates. Most people that I know, we wandered in the woods for a long time, or we went down the path that other people dictated for us. And again, that's okay. What we're focused on now is getting right back to what it is that we love. We imagined what's possible. Now we're setting up ourselves for success. Now, a lot of these things are habits that as I, um, or, or building the mindset such that if we're in the right headspace, we've imagined what we want as possible. We've now created a series of behaviors. When we're talking about these overall generic creativity boosters like sleep, like exercise, like music, like whatever, there are some that are very, very, very personal, right? And maybe that's a, a choice in music or it's a choice in the space that you create for yourself if you can. Right now, one of you might be saying, yeah, I live in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids and it's really hard to create space. Great. Well, what can you do? Not these headphones, but uh, they're not within arm's reach of me right now. But one of my best investments, and I think I said this in the book, was a pair of noise-canceling headphones. That is to just turn this thing, noise goes away, and to be able to, in a loud place, you know, backstage before I go on somewhere or when I'm, I'm trying to, if you're commuting, the ability to focus on your craft and sketch something without having all these other inputs was really huge for me. So I don't want to be prescriptive. That's why I'm asking for a variety from you, um, from you all and why I listed so many in the book. 
I think thinking about you, the distinct person is really important. And for me, the headphone things, I'd never heard anybody talk about this. And to this day, if I'm about to go speak in front of 5,000 people in a theater, I'm backstage with noise canceling headphones on. So I'm not trying to be prescriptive, but I know that there are things that are particular to you, weird little quirks that if you did those things, they would help, they would contribute to your success. And still notice a lot of these, are, this is just basic mindset. And these are simple habits, none of which have anything to do with your craft. This is the, the part of the design thing that was the most shocking to me was that they, there's so many of these things that are foundational and fundamental. The idea that if you want to be a photographer, you have to put in 10,000 hours behind the camera lens. That's not really a surprise. What I did find to be a surprise was all this other stuff. So if you've got some of these basic ones that we, I would file under a human, like the ability to get sleep and whatnot, then there's some, some specific ones for you. Like for me, it was the noise canceling headphones to be able to quiet out, like literally quiet out the noise. Um, though that was a big one. And then of course, there's all of the stuff around craft. And with respect to that, I like to think about, um, you know, how are you spending your money and your time? Are you actually spending your money and your time doing the thing that you said you want to do? Or are you in the camp that I threatened about at the beginning of this thing, like you don't want to fall into just perpetually planning? So, um, and I think this idea of prioritizing work, prioritizing now, now that this we've established a rationale for and a set of behaviors to cultivate a strong mindset and things that will get us closer to what it is that we want to be in the world. Now, I would like us to focus and prioritize the work. All right. Be intentional. Be very intentional. Now, many of you uh, saw the prompt that I put out on Instagram. And if you're new to the party here, or you may have slipped this part, um, it, make sure you're following me on IG because I'm putting out some prompts there, either in stories or the gallery. Um, and turn notifications on that way you won't miss them. But the prompt that I'd set out was um, to create anything with intention over the course of a 24-hour period. And what I mean by intention is, I'll just give you some examples of things that people shared with me. Um, I'm going to take a portrait of my son. And so that is someone saying, okay, great. What, have, what am I going to do over the next 24 hours? I'm going to take a picture of my kid. Now, whether you call it a portrait of my son or a picture of my kid, the fact like I'm not actually judging the the output. I'm not even talking about the quality of the photograph. I'm not talking about, um, was it big enough or small enough? It was something with intention. And this is what the trap that so many of us fall into is we've done all of the things and then go back to Jeanette. It's like the thing that was blocking me was actually just sitting down and doing the work. So the next step in today's lesson, if there's three topics, what gets results is consistent practice to prioritizing the work. I would love to see show of hands or maybe a text in the chat of how many of you are prioritizing your work. And I don't like, let's just do a show of hands real quick here. Show of hands, who is prioritizing their work on a regular basis? 
I appreciate you all for being honest. Yeah, Mike's giving us this one <laughs> a little bit. And I'm seeing some chats come in from the folks that aren't on the Zoom call. It's, I'm, I'm guessing it's around 50%. And for those 50% that are doing it, good job, but beware. There are going to be times where you're not in a position to raise your hand. And for the folks who are not raising your hand right now, like Amanda, I didn't see you. Uh, Amanda Mark Designs, I didn't see you raise your hand. And that's okay, because that's what you're doing right here. You're here to get a little bit of help. But what I want, if you did not raise your hand, or you did not chat me, yep, Jason, I'm creating every day. I want you, your homework is the same homework that I gave you last week, which is to create something, anything in the next 24 hours. Now, I would suggest you set yourself up for success. Don't make it too big. Don't make it too scary. Don't make it too hairy. And I don't even care what the thing is. I do know that you've decided what some of your goals are and that there is one thing that would you could do that would get you closer to that goal. Even if it was just jot down, like what you're creating is you're creating a roadmap. You're taking the first step, you're painting, you're, you're gessoing the canvas. You're, I, there's an, an infinite number of things that you could be doing that would get you closer than you are right now to your goal. And for, if you didn't raise your hand, do one thing in the next 24 hours. It's a weekend. You've got time. You can make time. You can stay up late. You can get up early. I'm looking at you. Do this for me. And you will find that it's probably easier than you think. In intending what we want to create, and, and by doing so, I mean, just it's like you can't say like, oh, yeah, I took a picture at some point today. There, that, that checks the box. The thing that's missing with that is the planning, the saying, I'm going to do this and then doing it. And part of the challenge that I see with just doing whatever is this concept of being busy. Now, to be busy doesn't actually mean effective. And there are so many busy bodies out there in the world. And I myself, I, I share vulnerably in the book um, when I first declared that I was going to be a photographer. I just ran around doing all kinds of things, but I wasn't actually landing jobs. I wasn't building my portfolio. I wasn't, I wasn't actually developing um, myself into the creator that I had envisioned. And what I did instead is just wake up and did stuff. And so what was missing there was intention. And yet at the end of every day, I was so, I had said to my friends and myself, oh my gosh, you were so busy all day, but you know what? I wasn't getting anywhere. And if uh, you remember from this part of the book, a hamster on a wheel is busy, right? She might just be moving her feet and it feels good because they're doing a lot of stuff. But if you're not sort of on a trajectory with intention to get somewhere, you're certainly not being effective. So I would ask you to do an audit of your own self. And I'm going to ask you to do a couple of audits here in a second. It's like, are you being effective or are you being busy? And when I started, you know, doing those audits, I was woefully disappointed. But, you know, that recognition of what truth was for me was a very, very powerful thing in putting me in the right direction. I also want to underscore this idea of being urgent versus important. I, I wished I had seen this, this um, chart way earlier in my life. It was quite, quite late in my life, honestly, that I saw it page 131. 
I'm going to go to the Zoom call in just a second and ask for um, something that you do that is urgent. Sorry, it is not urgent, but important to you. Not urgent, but important to you. Think about that for just a second. I'm going to read a little blurb here. These four rectangles can change your life. I really wish someone had shown me this deck, this diagram a decade ago. Of course, we need to tackle important and urgent tasks right away. That is like, the house is flooding. <laughs> we need to tackle that right away. Of course. But it's essential that we carve out time for the important and not urgent activities in our lives. Otherwise, we will always be occupied with unimportant tasks. This is a little bit of a harder question, but I'm wondering if anybody in the in-studio audience has an example of something that is not urgent, as in it's not your hair is on fire, but is very important that you do do, whether it's reading or working on the skill that you feel you're, is required to get you where you want to be. I'm gonna go to two folks. Um, I'm gonna, I'd like to hear from Terry Pruitt and from Yev. All right, I'll start out with Terry and Yev, I'll ask you to uh, share in just a second as well. Okay, Terry, what's something that is in where the quadrant that is the best stuff in life, something that's important and not urgent? Um, I love candy making but not uh, eating the candy that I make, uh, but sharing. <laughs> oh, we have different <laughs> roles in life. It, I say. <laughs> um, but sharing it with friends. So in this COVID situation, I've been prioritizing doing that, making candy, mm -hmm. um, and then making care packages for friends and family and shipping them and sharing them. Right. There's nothing that says, oh my gosh, you have to do this today, right now, hurry up, got to do it but something that's clearly very important to you given that's part of your craft and presumably how you make others feel when you give them these care packages. Important, but not urgent. Yev, are you willing to share something with us? Is um, it Eve or cooking. is it Yev? Yev, or Yevany, yeah. Yev. <laughs> okay, it's cooking. Yeah, um, cause I, you tell, know, I, tell us more. I, um, I find cooking to be creative um, and being able to just use different ingredients and it helps me to um, feel like I've created something for someone to enjoy. And um, I don't know I if, find it's if you noticed. Oh, sorry, I talked over you there. There's a little delay. Go ahead. Yeah, keep going. No, I was just saying that, you know, cooking and using different ingredients to create something that I enjoy others enjoying sharing it with them. That's really important to me. It's part of my whole bigger vision. <laughs> um, so we're all great. That was my next question. What is your bigger vision so we can understand the relationship between cooking and your bigger vision? Um, gathering people together, um, creating space. Um, healing spaces, and I find that food mm. and community helps facilitate that. Absolutely, the, the the table is one of the most innovative um, inventions of the last hundred thousand years, right? the The ability to convene people, and 
what I loved is that it would be very easy for anyone to say, wait a minute, well, food, yeah, I guess food's important because we need sustenance, but you talked about it as a creative act. And it was very clear that if creating spaces and convening people is the core mission, then there's some other aspects of it that you need to, you know, provide something that cultivates the space. You need to provide um, something that's going to ground people in this space. And so it's, it's really nice to see that it, you know, it, something as daily as food can be the thing that you find critically important for this one precious life or for your craft, the thing that you've imagined for yourself. And it could be argued that it's not urgent that you make good food because if, you know, if, if you're in at my house and you turn up, turn upside down a bag of chips into a bowl that could be conceived of as providing a space for people. But if you want to do it with integrity and thoughtfulness and, you know, the part that I'd underscore is creativity, notice how important that becomes. Thank you for sharing yet. All right. So. I just want to remind us that this this little quadrant right here, we often suck at this stuff. And if you are like at all like me, um, it's very easy for us to to put ourselves on a hamster wheel and to be busy but not effective. And I would ask you to begin to audit yourself. Now I'm going to go through a couple of things that we're going to do. Um, that I'm going to ask you to do to audit. One is how often do you talk about yourself being busy? This was a cancer for me. I always talked about being busy because it gave me a sense of importance. So my friends would ask, Hey, what are you doing? And the reality is like, I'm excited about what I'm doing. So I'm always doing a lot of things, but I was wondering if at the end of the day, when I had told three or four different friends that said passively, how are you doing that? My answer busy didn't actually correspond with with um, progress toward the thing that I had imagined for myself. And so if that's you, I'm, I'm not here to judge because I was that person. And yet I find that auditing that as an answer, now I do everything I can not to say the word busy, despite having a very full schedule. I just think that busy is a sort of a toxic mindset. So I audited that for myself. And what I would invite you to do as an exercise, I would invite you this week, audit your time. I have an interesting line, Warren Buffett. He said, I'm not, my, my calendar is not free because I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire because I've made my calendar open. <laughs> Process that for a second. Warren Buffett, I'm not free because I'm rich. I'm rich because I made time for what mattered. And that's not to say that over time, you're not going to get a more full schedule. Because my belief is that if you get good at identifying things that really matter for you toward this goal that we have for ourselves, toward the success, the fulfillment that we want for ourselves, that we become ruthless in the best way of choosing friends, spending time, self-talk. These are all things that when we can um, assemble them, 
they will radically accelerate our path towards success and fulfillment. And notice that I'm almost always will tie success and fulfillment um, together because success without fulfillment is hell and fulfillment. Um, if you can achieve it, just, you know, what is it? Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh could probably, could probably achieve that just with enlightenment. But a lot of people, I, I like to pair fulfillment, what make you fulfill. So I want you to audit being busy or not. I want you to audit your time. This is a very hard thing. And I want you to do it in 15 to 30 minute increments. Just track what you have done over the course of this week. If you, I did it for two weeks and I did it in 30 minute increments and I have, a, a, I have help with this because of someone who manages my schedule and that's a luxury. I realize that. But even if you just went back over the course of the last three days or over the course of the next three or four days, you track your time. I think you'll find it interesting. Here's a kicker. If you do this with your finances, if you want to understand what your priority is and you look back and you can see what your time looks like and see where you spend your money, that will be the most revelatory aspect of your priorities. And this can be painful. It was very painful for me. Um, I'll give you another example for me so uh, that I'm the vulnerable one and not required that we all uh, turn ourselves inside out to 3,000 strangers. Um, I did this with business travel. And I mean, this is pre-COVID. I audited and I was going back and forth between the two locations in Seattle and San Francisco for Creative Live. And I was on a, you know, usually to New York, LA or London where we have investors and folks that are, that are very close to the business and for whom I'm work or with whom I'm work very closely. And I found that that was eating up an extra, probably unnecessary travel was eating up another 10 to 15 hours per week. 10 to 15 hours, that's like two days of productivity where I might be able to tell myself that, hey, if I'm walking down the, the bridgeway to get on the plane, I can be texting. And when I'm sitting there uh, waiting to take off, I can be um, taking notes or whatnot. Like, but the reality is that that wasn't, that wasn't true. So audit your time, audit your finances. Two other things before we move on to the third topic. Again, if the first topic is reminding you that consistent creative practice, consistency is the most important thing. Prioritizing the work, which is what we're doing in auditing right now. And the third one is gonna be getting to making. But two things before we jump into the getting to making. I do not want the results of these surveys that you do to stop you from taking action. I do not want you to believe that you need the perfect set of circumstances in order to be successful. I do not want you to believe, now this may sound like a contradiction, right? I, do, I just do not want you to believe that wherever you are right now that you cannot start. If you go back to the beginning of the book, it says this is one of the most powerful things that creators who are successful know is just start. I'm asking you to do these audits. I'm asking you to um, highlight areas where you might not be truthful with yourself, not intentionally, but as a means to reveal lots of opportunity. Because I'm going to assume that you are taking action. I'm going to assume that you're doing something instead of nothing. And it's my hope that when I pull this, you know, pull some of these other audits back, the time audit, the money audit, that you will reveal to yourself how much more 
juice you have to contribute to the things that are the most important in your life. And this is true whether it's a project or this is true if the project is your life. Okay. That, that last little point there to me, this is like, this is putting you in a position to savagely guard your goals, savagely guard them. Because if you do not, who will? If you don't protect the things that you want in this life, if you don't orient yourself toward them, if you don't create them, who will? Savagely guard your dreams. All right, last topic. I'm, I'm a few minutes long, and then we're going to go to the worldwide Q&A, <laughs> um, both via, via the chat on Facebook, Creative Live TV, the class page, YouTube, Facebook, and of course here in the Zoom call for the folks that are in the text community. Topic three, stop fiddling and start making. Anybody show of hands in the Zoom call or uh, raise your hand in a chat if you send me an emoji. Anybody believe that the thing that they're making is not the quality that they want to be making it. This is probably go back to JD Smith. He was said, you know, I realize that there's this gap. Heather and Ed, JD, Audrey, Amanda. I think everyone's hands up. Everyone that I can see in the Zoom call. Rob, Rob's got to figure it out. Rob Zeigler has got to figure it out. Yep. <laughs> He's 50%. He's going to give me one of these. Uh, Trenda. Thanks for raising your hand. Um, this is true unless you have mastered something, unless you have mastered the craft that you are envisioning for yourself, for example. So most people should be raising their hand. It's like, this is the part that, this is my belief, this is why we are here. And if you find yourself... Um, well, let me ask a different question. Are you giving yourself deadlines? Are you creating a plan for your creative routine or not? Are you creating the space and the time physically and mentally that you need in order to do the things that you want to do? Now, no is a fine answer because that's why you're here. But if, and, and if that's the case, then that is a piece of your homework this week, this week is to go create a plan. And what I'd also ask is, what are you doing to be accountable to yourself? Is there something that you can do in this group? I understand there's a subreddit that's been formed. Is that right? I think uh, I think Nasa and Kate Dessa, you, you can remind us or maybe throw that in the comments or the chat here. I think it's a um, subreddit slash creative calling or something like that. I don't remember. I'm not here to prescribe your accountability. But if there's someone that you are peers with in this community, if, if there's someone that is a friend, um, I recommend this not be your partner or spouse. I recommend this not be a family member. Um, I recommend this is someone who has a similar endeavor to yours. If someone you uh, find yourself in a community with a trade organization or whatnot. Um, without being prescriptive, though, this accountability um, is... Um, it's, it's 
very good medicine. This is part of what separates pros from amateurs, right? The ability to just show up. And, you know, there's that Chuck Close quote that I've got in there talks about everyone else looks for inspiration to strike. And, you know, that's not the relationship that most pros have with creativity. They just sit down and they do the work. Again, go back to Jeanette, who set us up so beautifully today with some of her comments. Um, shitty first drafts are great. If you've read the book Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont, she encourages shitty first drafts. I can't. If you guys had seen the first draft of this thing, <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, you'd have been very happy with it. And the funny thing is, it was revised somewhere on the order to you know between ten and twenty times each chapter, different carnations, reincarnations, shifting, cutting, trimming, adding back in, completely reworking. Um, don't be afraid of shitty first drafts. You've also probably remember the um, anecdote in the book about the ceramics class that was in part great. Half of them were graded on the number of things that they did, the, the volume of projects that they did, and the other was judged on one thing. And the results at the end of the semester were not surprising. Not only did the group that made that was graded by volume not only did they make more work, but they made better work and they made more better work. Um, and that's not a surprise, right? When you think about it, this is the concept of shitty first drafts. This is a concept of practice. This is a concept of repetition of skill. A poor craftswoman blames her tools. A great craftsperson does the work over and over and over and over and lets other people judge whether it's good or bad. The punchline to that last uh, chapter that I asked you to read is give yourself permission to suck. This is one of the most simple but boldest pieces of advice I think you can take away today is we all think we suck. I stepped into the CEO role at Creative Live with never having run a company more than like 10 people. I was crappy the first go around. I handed the reins to somebody else, went and did some other stuff, prepared myself, planned, worked at it, came back, was a lot better. But I had to invest the time. I had to acknowledge that I sucked, be okay with the sucking, and put in the work. This was true with my photography. This was true with me as a leader at Creative Live. And I'm guessing that this is true for you. What is the hard part is being truthful about it. And secondarily, not getting down about it. Because as soon as we recognize this creative gap, most of us throw our hands up. But that's the thing that differentiates most people from you. If you have chosen the area that you care deeply about and that you want for this one precious life, whether it's a project or your life, then you've got time. You've got time just to continue putting one foot in front of another, establishing this mindset with your daily habits as a path to your goals. All right, action steps and or tools that I want you to take away from this and I'm gonna do a closing read and get to questions since we're eight minutes long. I wanna know what have you quit? What have you quit that you knew you weren't supposed to do? What have you quit that you knew you were not supposed to be doing? Because I believe that quitting is a very powerful thing. I would like you to write some things down because that to me is actually an understanding of priorities. That is you looking back and saying, you know what, I have taken action. 
I dropped out of medical school, bailed on a career in professional soccer, dropped out of a PhD to become a photographer. Those were the hardest three things I've ever had to quit. Those were in the face of my parents hating me. And remember, I'm born white, male, middle class in America in the 70s, like every advantage. And still, I looked at quitting as some of the hardest things I've done. So if you're looking for courage to understand that you're capable of making these big changes, look back at things that you quit, that people, relationships that you quit that weren't working for you, jobs that you quit where your boss was a jerk, um, paths that you didn't want to go down that the world was forcing you down and you actually decided to quit those things. I hope that that will help you. All right then, what have you quit? What are some things that you love that you can do more of today? And if I want to fly an airplane more than I am because I want my pilot's license and I want to own a little aircraft company that flies around the Bahamas, great. If you don't have an airplane, you don't have access to an airplane, try not to think about that right now if you are, don't have access to it. What are some things that you love right now that you can do more of today? Make a list of those things. What are your creativity boosters and zappers? Make a list of these things. These are the things that help me. These are the things that drain me. Audit out this creative junk food. Audit, audit out, you know, watching too much Netflix. Audit out news. Audit out things that don't serve you. Don't forget, I want you to conduct this time audit. Ideally, you do it for a week or two. But I don't care if you do it for three or four days. It'll still reveal a lot. Just you have to do it some weekend days and some weekdays. Don't just do it for a day because then you're going to be able to skew the results. What is the smallest thing that you can do to get you closer to your goal? This is the thing for those of you who didn't do the exercise. In 24 hours, I want you to create something that gets you one step closer to your goal, one step better as a drafts person, one step better as a Photoshop illustrator, one step better as an entrepreneur. You can research what it means to start a business license or to open a business license. You can actually do the work. It's probably 45 minutes. What's one thing, a smallest effective dose that you can do to get you close to that? And then the follow-on for that that I've asked you to do over the next 24 hours is how can you set aside that 30 minutes, 60 minutes on some regular schedule that you can keep? Don't set it up for two hours, seven days a week because you're not going to be able to be successful. Give yourself a reason to pat yourself on the back. Build the calendar that you need for your creative work. Set a plan. Again, Chuck Close sat down and did the work every day. Andy Warhol, while other people are judging your work, all you're doing is making more. And while they're judging, you're making. Be accountable. All right, I'm going to get to page 99 for the closing read today. And then I'm going to get through a set of reminders and take questions for 20 minutes. 99 is the closing read, page 99. <clears throat> Your mindset matters most. As the philosopher and Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius said, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. 
as true today as in Roman times. The state of your mind, your body, and your spirit is the direct result of the decisions you've made in your life up to this point. Physical health, cognitive performance, happiness, well-being. These are driven entirely by our beliefs and our behaviors. Of course, there are so many things, sorry, small divergence. Of course, there are so many things that you didn't choose in your life, but you have to choose how you respond to those things. Day after day, choosing exercise or Netflix, all-nighters or sleep, eating clean or binging on mint chocolate chip ice cream, as I love to do. All these decisions, they create our days and our days create our lives as a whole. Each of us faces all kinds of unique challenges, whether um, mental, physical, otherwise, we all have unique challenges, but no matter what have hand you've been dealt, your mindset gives you a massive difference. To achieve a new mindset and transform your life, you've got to believe two things. One, your situation, whatever it is, is changeable for the better. And two, you are capable of making that change. I think that's why you're here. Just a reminder on page 103, you are a creative person. The world is abundant and full of possibility. Your situation can always be changed. You can use your creativity to create the change you seek. Creativity is natural and healthy, but requires practice. And creativity is the ultimate personal power. All right. Reminder, before we go into questions, I want to say thanks again for joining for this little creative sesh here, um, 14 minutes long. Uh, I've been able to keep it to an hour for the previous sessions, but I'll apologize. I think the new Zoom thing uh, expanded my scope a little bit for the day. Um, just a reminder about those things. Again, creativity zappers, boosters, create a, do an audit, build a calendar, set some session plans. How do you want to do and create and prepare next week for the execute section of the book? Um, that's part three, the fourth week that we'll be together. Um, this is doing the work that we have designed and we have set out for ourselves today. So um, if you would like to be in the Zoom call next week, um, we're going to have another call for first come first serve. And the way you do that is, um, again, this is the only place in this, this, um, community here that I've shared my phone number 206-309-5177. Um, there's a little automation you need to send when you get that, you need to send me a text. And I think there's a confirmation that goes back to you, but then it's actually me. <laughs> doing the best and you can imagine you know there's 30 i think 800 3800 people in this class so um i do my best to get back and sometimes i will sit there for like two hours and just text people straight and i i get great pleasure out of it so i would love to have that relationship with you um if you haven't reviewed the book it would mean the world to me um wherever you bought it amazon barnes and noble any indie store um ibooks apple books whatever they call it now that would be really helpful. Um, I, I made an ask earlier and I think we, we got 10. I'll, I'll share. I was kind of bummed about that. I was hoping we can get a few more. But um, so uh, with that said, I hope that you will um, be further along toward designing the living life or vision that you have for yourself. Uh, I know that lots of questions are going to come up. I think this is one of the um, 
it's easier to dream big once you've had someone like me to sort of shake you out of it for a second. Designing a plan, a plan to get there, the fact that it's not only a list of things, of skills that you need is really a shock to some people. So this, this week could be tough as you're, as you're digging into this. Um, but just know that I'm here. This community of 3,800 people is here. Um, there's the subreddit that we can put in the comments. If you would, uh, my, my team, throw that in the comments. Um, Marcia saying, I just got the book on Thursday. I'm way behind. Go ahead and get up to speed. Um, Eddie says she'll review the book on Amazon. Thank you much. Um, all right, so we're going to go to questions. Uh, I've been disproportionately favoring some of the folks in the uh, the Zoom video chat, um, understandably, but I would love to go to comments um, in the text chat if you're on one of those other formats first. Um, I'll take that question, and then those of you in the Zoom will blow through a handful of these, and I, I, I'll, I promised I would do at least 20 minutes of Q&A, which is I'm more than happy to do. Um, all right, so um, questions coming in from the chat world. Let's see. Sorry, I'm looking at the stuff that I'm getting on uh, from my team. <clears throat> Refreshing here. Oh, man, I get a spinning wheel of death on my chat window, <laughs> of course. All right, my uh, since I'm no spinning wheel of death in my Zoom call, I'm going to go back. Who's got a question for me in in the Zoom universe? Hands up. Okay. Rob, I talked a little trash to Rob earlier, so I'm going to go to Rob. Is it Ziegler or Ziegler? Hey, it's Ziegler. Ziegler. Hey, what's yeah. up, Rob? I hope you didn't hey. take my calling you out as uh, that was supportive because you you were someone who hadn't struggled. So uh, anyway, yeah, well, get away with your question. I'm, I'm here for you, bud. You know, it's it's funny because um, I was doing my creative outlet is YouTube videos. And um, it's just the first few chapters of your book really is what made me stop getting hooked on the quality of it and mm -hmm. just producing it and getting them out there. So I'm actually been very happy with what I produced since just reading the first few chapters. I just stopped getting hung up on that. So it's, I'm not a master, never will be. I know I'm only going to get better, but I'm learning to, as a starter planner, get over that hump and just get the stuff out there, get it published and then, you know, keep moving up. So that's kind of where I was going with that. It's huge. But um, good, good. the other thing I was going to ask you was in these latest chapters, it's like you were, because mm -hmm. I have the audible book, right? So it's like you were sitting across from me, just calling me on my BS, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you talk about perpetually planning and you talk about getting stuck on the work before the work. And I was just wondering in your creative process, maybe when you were doing the book or something else in your life, can you give us an example of when you got stuck doing the work before the work and then what made you realize that you were getting stuck on that and, and how you moved past mm. that? All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much time you got, but I could give you about a hundred examples. <laughs> and that's one of the things about doing this, this experience right here. And I tried to write the book from this vantage point is, and I, I think I've said this in, on the book tour and a couple of other podcasts that I've been on is I hate this idea of perfection because it keeps us from so much. It keeps us from so much joy. It creates so much suffering. If you can understand the Buddhist point of view, you know, pain is not optional. Suffering is optional. And this so much suffering happens. Uh, and you know, my, whether it's with the book 
you know, I, I just, I hate things that don't portray honesty. Like a business, most business books say, great, if you've never created a problem in your business and you can uh, continue doing all the things that you need to do perfectly, then you're going to have a perfect business. Have a good day. You know, thanks for the $15.99. That doesn't look like anything that I've experienced. And so, you know, this is a messy, nonlinear bunch of work trying to figure this out. And so I came at the book trying to portray that. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing it here and why I should, I've got a, I've got a hundred of these. Um, I will use the meta example of the book, right? So the idea of a book is very romantic and I resisted it for a long time because remember, writing is not my primary vehicle. Although I've written a thousand blog posts and had a million monthly readers for a very, very long time. I never really saw myself as a writer. I developed my ability to write through repetition on the blog and in graduate school as the, in the PhD program that I was, that I quit, which I was happy to share with you earlier. And yet when it came time to actually doing the work of the book, even the idea of, I had romanticized um, the writing process. And there was a part of me that I did all of the other stuff I got the book deal, worked closely with my agent, wrote a nice um, proposal. Uh, and then there was a lag time, I would say three month lag time. And to be fair, like I had a ton of support. My wife, Kate, who I think is on the call somewhere. It's an amazing editor. I had, you know, all kinds of, ed that's part of what you, when you get a major publishing deal, they build a support network. You have writing support, editing support, research support. You know, and these are all people that I had, um, paid in order to, whether through um, lots of different mechanisms. And yet there was probably a three month lag to get started. And I had an outline. I had done the work to get the book deal. I knew where I wanted to go. I'd assembled the team. The team was doing things, basically things that like I would just send research tasks, but actually sitting down and writing was very, very hard for me. And what was hard for me was because I judged the things that came out when I sat down to type them. Is this of the quality that I want, that I'm comparing myself with, with what I know is possible for me and what I know it takes to have a, a best-selling book out in the world and truly make an impact? And the gap was massive. And it was because I was judging my first draft. And I, I, then I read Anne Lamont's Bird by Bird and recognize this concept of shitty first drafts, which is because it's why it's littered throughout the thing. And it, it, it ultimately got to a point of near panic for the rest of my team and I were like, wait a minute, there's not enough time left to be continuing at the pace that we are in order to get a, a world-class book created. And that, you know, again, going back to Jeanette, who set us up very nicely early on in this call, I just carved out time every morning. And I'd like, I, I'm a morning person, but I'm not a 4.30 a.m.er. And I started setting an alarm and I made a series of videos every day or every other day or when I remembered to bring my phone downstairs with me of these videos. And they are horrifying and hilarious. And aside from, you know, my hair is a polarity in its own bit, but I just made these videos of like, oh my God, what am I doing? I suck. And if you remember that, that chart in the book, which is the creative project, excitement, enthusiasm, and then, oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my God, this sucks. Oh my God, I suck. I'm never getting out of this. And then, you know, here I am nine months later where I've been writing every day 
And you know what? This is going to be okay. You know what? This is going to be good. You know what? I think this can be world-class. And the last four weeks before I turned in the final draft of the book, so much came together that I didn't see a year before that I would never have been able to get there had I not done the work. Now, I hate to tell you this, but like writing a book is way heavier of a lift than I've ever wanted. I'm working, like, oh, I'm going to write for the rest of my life because it helps me organize my thoughts, especially as a visual artist. So it's never going to go away as a problem. But I'm here to tell you that I struggle a lot with um, the work because, and, and here's the other thing that I think you probably pulled this out of the book if you've read the whole thing and you're going back now, is that when you are in a position where you are just starting and you haven't um, created success for yourself or the success you, success you dream of, in theory, you've got nothing to lose, right? No one expects this of you and it should be the most freedom. And if you're in that position right now, you're like, oh my God, I'm still stuck and I don't have any pressure. No one knows that I want to be uh, you know, a renowned chef maybe like yeah does or i, I want to convene people and make videos that have you know um that that have profound impact in changing people's lives whatever your endeavor is the reality is is that after you achieve some success you create some of the success that you want then you actually have something to lose so the thought that it gets easier is fiction right it's and and i'm sitting here right now like what's the next one going to be Damn. So the fact that it never gets easy might be a slight overstatement because what you get used to is you get used to the pressure. You get used to acknowledging you suck. And if you go through a few cycles of that, you can actually, it's, it's also a muscle. So the reality is now when I put out a shitty first draft, I'm like, okay, that's one of those shitty first drafts. And I'm going to pick it up again tomorrow. I'm going to do it again. But if Rob, what you're looking for is a reassurance, um, I've got an infinity number of stories uh, to share about sucking. Um, doing the work, there's no substitute for it. Repetition is not only the mother of invention, but it's required. Anything that you've seen in the world, whether it's the light that's lighting me right now, this mic, you know, even the smoothie, they had to figure out what things went well together through trial and error. The only thing that will get you there is doing the work. Intellect is uh, subservient to action. Action action is what matters. All right, uh, I'm gonna go to the comments here and then we're gonna go back. Thanks, Rob. Um, let's see. What's the best way, this is from Marsha, what's the best way to start sharing your work and connecting with others? Um, well, here's the deal. Sharing your work requires uh, connection to some social platforms and that's it. That's not the only way. Maybe that's not even the best way, but it's a way. And if this is about doing the work, then I would encourage you to start to share the work that you make because it is a muscle that you are developing. If you're wondering how to build community, this is the best example that I can point to. Again, there's a lot of meta that goes on in this space, in this creative headspace, um, because 
uh, again, we are creating our own experience. So talking about creativity, it's no reason that we get a lot of things that are self-reflexive, but what you're doing right now, what even just typing the comment in the comments is an example of creating, cultivating community. Because I bet if there's 3000 people paying attention to what we're doing right now, that 300 people have that same question. And so just by taking the simple act of typing that, showing up and typing that question into the, into that little space and sharing that little piece of yourself is a way to help others feel less disconnected, disidentified with their mission and vision for themselves. So I like to think of that as a very lightweight, easy digital way to do it. And I'm not just saying lurking. I'm saying participating. I'm saying, if you're going to be in the Zoom call, put your damn hand up. Okay. It's, I understand we're not all introverts. Some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts, ambiverts, doesn't matter. Showing up in the best way that you can digitally is a piece of it. I actually encourage physicality as well, uh, physical um, gatherings. That is obviously a challenge right now. So I don't want to over index on that. Um, but I do find great value in the community aspect of it. Again, this is very much about part four of the book, the amplify part. But since you asked it, and since you're actually a part of a community effort right now, um, someone from a previous group started the subreddit. I think it's again, slash creative calling. Again, maybe someone can put that in there. Uh, it's, it's, that's a great example. And that's not, you know, that's not a Chase Jarvis or a creative live sanctioned thing. That's just a thing that sprung out of this group, which I love that. And I heard a couple of stories uh, I read in DMs and in the, in the chat group of people getting together, social distancing to talk about, you know, how to break down what they want for themselves. Like that's a little work, virtual work groups. I think that's incredible. And whether you, you meet those people in the chat room or wherever, um, it's very hard for me to overstate the value of community and what truly modest effort it takes to participate. Mostly, I said in the book, this is a weird thing, but I said it, become a joiner. And I, a joiner is a weird word. <laughs> and I don't ever see myself just like showing up like, hey, all, I'm here. I'm like careful and I'm like, thoughtful and a little bit worried and like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be welcome or if this is, these are my people or, but like for whatever reason um, you're asking the question, it's clearly an issue and it's probably an issue. I said for 300 people on the call, it's probably more like 50%. It's probably 1500 of people who are listening or watching right now are like, I don't know. Chase is saying, be a joiner. I don't have much time, but you'll learn quickly if it's for you, if this particular community is for you if you get one or two or three people that you connect with that can help you work on, in Yev's case, you know, convening people at a table or in a coffee shop or in Rob's, you know, in Rob's world, um, making better videos. Um, showing up is step one. Prioritizing time to build community. It should be a huge part of the effort um, beyond just your craft. Okay. Um, Let's see, Frank Zurheide wants to know, is there a feedback loop, question mark? What to charge if your 500 light bulb still sucks? Is there a feedback loop? The feedback loop, I believe, if you're able to say my 500th experiment sucks, then you have a feedback loop built in because you made a value judgment of it sucking. 
part of what I like to do is um, I think there's a time and place to compare your work to others. And I have said that in the book and I believe it, I think it's somewhat controversial because not every, you know, if, if this is, if your goal is to create um, at a professional level, and I recognize that is not the goal of everyone, not at all required, not what the book professes, but um, in that concept, I, I like the idea of comparing your work to the work of others. And if you say you want to be a photographer, I'll use my own example because uh, it's easy to throw rocks at. Um, I was able to look at the pictures that I was creating and go stand at Barnes and Noble in the 1990s and look at all the magazines. I couldn't even afford to buy a magazine. So I had to stand there for three or four hours and take notes. Literally couldn't afford a $4 magazine. And I was very clearly able to see that the pictures that I was creating were very different and very subpar to what I was seeing in the magazine. So that's when I, you know, did, I think it was part of the last, um, last week's conversation. I deconstructed the work of others, right? I looked at what were the components that I was seeing in the magazine, whether it was the athlete, the trick, the location, all these different parts and recognized that all of those were very different than what I was able to create. So, you know, I deconstructed those. I emulated the things that I thought that I could emulate. I decided, it was the, the formula DEAR, right? D-E-A-R, deconstruct, emulate, ana analyze, and repeat what's working. So, you know, to your question, Frank, um, yeah, there's a feedback loop. You have to be part of that feedback loop. And then the other part of the feedback loop is the community that you decide to join or the communities. If you've read ahead and you've read part four of the book, you realize that I, I'm advocating joining a bunch of different communities. And then there's a community for, in my example, the, my, the photography community was actually much later when I joined the photography community. I was more a part of the action sports community when I was deciding, you know, what kind of sports I wanted to photograph. And, and, and regardless of what order you join communities, that, that community provides a mirror or a lens through which you can look at your work. And, you know, in someone's case, I'm going to go back to Yev, like Yev's, um, presumably one of the things that got her inspired, and I'm, I, I don't intend to speak for you, but just for expeditious reasons, Yev, that you sat down at some dinner tables, you've had some amazing conversations over some good food. And you said, wow, this is, you know, this is something that I'm inspired by and I could do as well. And so you, you, there is a set of experiences that you can compare your ability to create something that is similar or better than what you saw out there in the world. So Frank, feedback loops are everywhere. You have a feedback loop built into you. It's just a matter of being honest. Um, repetition is incredibly helpful. Um, remember volume, pump up the volume is the chapter that you want to read in the book where we talk about creating a lot more things such that we can develop our skills and is the, the mechanism through which we get better at our work. I'm gonna go back to the Zoom call in just a second. In the meantime, I'm going to take a question from Grady. Grady has been a really consistent shower upper here, uh, Grady Lawler. Uh, what do you do when you're making consistent progress on a creative practice and are hit with a whammy in life that takes you off course? not just slowly drifting into something that's zapping you, but in out of nowhere, it takes you out of the knees kind of situation. First of all, Grady, it's that so you should realize I'm going to do uh, let's team, let's cut to the zoom call here and please show of hands. If you've ever been sideswiped, 
<laughs> if your plans have ever been interrupted. All right, Grady, you're not alone, my man. Oh, now there's a couple late breakers. There's a couple late breakers. Yeah, Megan, that was a slow raiser. Was that a scratch or that was a raise? Megan Ferrier. That was a, that was a raise, wasn't it? Okay, good. So my point in doing that is, uh, hey, Grady, everybody gets sideswiped. And because of the myriad ways we can get sideswiped, I don't want to be prescriptive. I just want you to know that it's part of the equation. Um, I don't remember what section of the book it's in, but there's a there's a chart that says like quality of decisions over time. And it, it it's not just linear, right? It's like up and down and up and down and up and down. And the hope is that just overall, the slope of the line is up and to the right. The quality of your experience, the quality of your decisions, the quality of your work, you can really, I talked about that in, in a decision framework part of the book, but I think this is true for just progress at all. You've heard this, this, the concept of two steps forward, one step back. There is nothing in life that is linear. And if it is, it's not going to be linear for long, right? Most things have this halting, startling, interrupting, and that's part of what makes people quit. And that's okay. But go back to last week. This is one of the reasons that I want you to find something that you really, really care about. Because when shit gets hard, for whatever reason, and it will get hard, I promise you, when shit gets hard, if you are working on something that you truly care deeply about, your ability to push through on, over, around, get past this whammy, as you call it, which I like that. I think there's a line in Anchorman, whammy. When you can get through a whammy, it's because you're going to care deeply about it. And this is why aligning yourself with true things in your heart that you really care about is so important because there are other people in your community or in your class or in your group or in your industry that are there for the wrong reasons. And when that whammy happens to them, or in the case of a pandemic, when the whammy happens to everybody, you start to figure out what, how important that is to others. And if you choose to pursue something that's kind of like, meh, the chances are you're going to have to sort of change paths because you're not going to want it that much. This is why you have to work on something. Why not choose something extraordinary that totally lights you up? That choice is yours. That's the imagination part. Now, this is the getting to work part. This is why I'm a, such a huge advocate of mindset. You know, I want you to go back and reread these three chapters because mindset, the ability to recover after a setback, I believe I, I have this philosophy of it's not avoiding mistakes. Again, sometimes these things happen to us or we create these mistakes on our own. The goal should not be to avoid mistakes. The goal should be to recover from your errors quickly. I'll say that again. The goal is not to avoid mistakes because if you avoid mistakes, you're not risking enough. You're not trying hard enough. You're not putting it out there. So by extension, you should make a lot of mistakes, but what you want to get good at is recovering from those mistakes really quickly. Big difference. One is you're out there on the bleeding edge and every time something happens that you make a mistake and you recover quickly, what happens? You learn a tiny lesson. You learn to trust yourself. You learn that you can be put in a position where you have the ability to bounce back 
And there are very few things in life that are more powerful. Um, I think, again, I mentioned my wife, Kate, somewhere on the call here. Um, and so she will know this to be true that when I'm going to go speak in front of, uh, I'm, I'm thinking fondly of one, I was speaking at a stadium. Uh, it was like, I don't know if it was Intel or Microsoft or something, speaking in front of 10,000 people at their annual meeting. And then there's big companies that have a stadium. So I'm backstage and I'm just, I have my, non, my noise canceling headphones on and I'm like, like literally, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm jazzed that I'm going to get to go talk to these 10,000 people. And she's pacing, terrified, looking at me like I'm crazy. And I realized that now Kate at that now she's a very proficient public speaker and she's a mindfulness teacher. Um, but at that time, like the difference between the, what, the way we saw our ability to uh, speak publicly was I'd spoken so many times to so many large audiences that if I stumbled on my words or said a wrong thing, I knew my material well enough that I could just recover and get back to it. And so that took the fear, a lot of the fear out of the equation and that trust that you have, that you develop in yourself is, is a very key attribute. Now, Kate has that that trust in herself in lots of ways that I don't have it. So whatever it is, is why I continue to encourage people to take great passion in what it is they're doing and do the things that they were supposed to be put on this planet to do rather than something else, because it makes this equation, this cycle of it's okay to make mistakes. You make mistakes and learn from them and recover quickly. It, it tightens that loop up and makes it less painful. All right. Um, let's go to zoom hands up. Hands up. I must have answered everyone's questions. There are no more questions. <laughs> I'm going to expand my Zoom window just a little bit because I can see some more folks. I know you're all out there. Fergus has got a question. I'm going to go to Fergus up there. I'm unmuting you. Dear sir, you are live on the air. Oh, I think I hit asked to unmute. I think you actually have to unmute yourself. There we go. How's that, Chase? Right okay, on. Okay, real quick. Um, thanks for uh, clicking on me there. It's not so much a question versus two quick comments. Um, the whole understanding of urgency versus importance. Uh, that happened yep. to me last night at 9.15 when uh, my two kids are telling me that the toilet isn't working. That became something that was very urgent. At the same time, what was important for me was remembering that I didn't watch the video follow up from last week because I missed last Saturday. So I finished mm -hmm. that at 12:10 last night before I went to bed to get ready for this. So understanding the two differences between what's really urgent and what's important and balancing that uh, can be a, a fun example of, of living life. Secondly, what Rob mentioned earlier about getting some stuff out there with his YouTube videos, and even though it wasn't perfect, um, just getting whatever it is out there, just shipping it, whatever it is, it's never going to be perfect for any of us that are creative. We're always going to want something that's perfect. And if we're just too afraid to get it out there, it's never going to get it out there. Uh, for me, that's the way it's been for many, many years. So this year I started getting my photography out there. It's now out there. It's a little scary, but I did it. I took the step. So those are just the two things that I had. I don't have a question. Thank no, you. thanks for sharing. I much appreciated. And the just one more comment to echo your sentiments on that that chart, the urgent and important chart. Um, <laughs> remember that that's somebody else's chart that, that I 
I basically, um, I improvised on and put my own words in there, but the concept um, of, of urgent and important, if we ultimately end up spending so much of our time around things that we perceive as urgent and that aren't really, and or that we, that are um, important to someone else. So having a filter through which you can spend as much time in your important but not urgent category and being very intentional about that is, it's really hard for me to overstate because if you sit down and you have an hour, this is one of the reasons I invoke planning and session planning and whatnot for your creative activities on a regular consistent basis. But let's say you're just getting little sips of air, little sips of creativity where you can. If you have an hour and you sit down and the first thing you do is open your email, what has just happened to that hour? It just basically evaporates because most of the things in your email inbox are a petition for your time. They're not actually um, important and they masquerade as urgent because there's a petition that's hit your inbox for your time. Respond to this thing. And then you think, wait a minute, if I don't respond, you know, maybe it's a boss or a friend or a coworker or whatever. There's this mental gymnastics that you do to try and decide whether you should respond and how. And ultimately, even the fact of opening your inbox rather than prioritizing your life. How many of these things do we get? We get exactly one. And so when you think about what's important to you or you try and provide a framework for thinking about it, there's, there's very few sort of charts that summarize it more succinctly than that. All right, I'm going to take two more questions, two from the Zoom group and one from, um, one from the comments. Um, go ahead, Zoom team. Um, I see a couple hands up. And I'm going to go, I got two. I'm going to go first to Jackie and then I'm going to go to, uh, well, I, maybe I'll do three. Jackie, Heather, Mike. Jackie, I'm going to unmute you. We're going to try and whip these out because I'm behind schedule. Uh, unmuting Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Welcome. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Thanks for all. being here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so quick question. It might, well, it might be a big one. Try to condense it, but um how do we convince ourselves that it's okay that we're still on the right track, you know, that there's no effort is ever wasted? If some of these milestones that we, we hit along the journey don't end up looking exactly as we felt like they might, and, you know, is it just unwavering belief and trust in the journey uh, or process, or is there like a trick to keep you on track as you move along? <laughs> is that a big um, one? Well, here's the – no, no, it's, it's a huge one, but um, – Maybe I'll write a book. Um, there was so, a handful of things embedded in there, so I'm just going to sort of talk at that rather than because um, each any one of those things could, I think, like literally be a book. But with respect to the destination not looking like what you thought it was going to be like, um, that is what it's like for most people. Um, it's very rare um, for the destination as you envision it, um, like when you're standing at the bottom of the mountain, the reality is you can't actually see the top, right? And so that simple little, you know, anecdote is true for almost all things. And when you're um, Michael Jordan and you're the, you know, the best basketball player to ever play the game, you know, and you ask 
him what it was like. I don't know if I'm, I'm drawing on the documentary um, that just came out about uh, about the, it's called The Last Dance. I, I recommend it. Um, he's very clear that what it looked like at the top wasn't anything that he thought it would look like. And this is just a very common theme. So I think preparing to not, this is why the process is so valuable, like enjoying and enjoying the, the, I don't even like journey because journey, um, there's something that when you talk about journey that, that um, eliminates talking about like what it feels like right now. And right now, if you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, of course, there are going to be moments of now that feel great. And there are going to be moments of now that don't feel so great. But any moment, if you're truly doing something that you're supposed to be doing, when the moments of now don't feel that great, what I have experienced and those that I think are some of the top performers in the world that I talk to have experienced is we find some solace in that moment not being great because there's an understanding, an intuitive cellular understanding that you're doing the thing that you're put on this planet to do. And that's not to say you won't call it into question. That's not to say that you won't be frustrated or upset or um, angry over lack of progress or you know any myriad of things. But the reality is that there's this deep knowing when you're on the right track. And it's not to say that you won't question some of those things along the way, but I can tell you having pursued lots of other things at other people's requests that I thought had become mine that were really cultures, it led me to frustration, to sickness, to disease, to $100,000 in student debt and what I consider now um, you know, 10 to 12 years of doing that activity or those activities rather than the thing that I wanted. Now, here's how the, the, the twist, uh, and you said it in your thing. Now, it would be easy for me to say that that time was wasted for me, 12 years and $100,000. But it was required that I spent that money and sunk those times, that time for me to be here with, you know, thousands of people on a class for me to have built the thing that is creative live for me to have written the creative calling book to have made apps had a career all of those things were a product that i would not have created would not be the same person had i not had that experience i think that experience the vulnerability that i had to try and cultivate in order to share in the book is part of what made it resonant so it's very um in the moment, it's hard to um, acknowledge that, but this is why I place so much emphasis on imagining what we want for ourselves um, and being very truthful about it because it's in those moments, if you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, that whether they're good or bad outcomes, that you still have the energy required to keep going. So to me, that's the thing I'd like you to focus on. And the other, the other point about it, not looking like what you, what it looks like when you get there. Um, I think that's the, there part is, is where most people screw up. If you do not love the process of creating, most people love the, the idea of filmmaking. I would love to attend con and show my film. Do I want to plan scene by scene you know, do I want to raise the money to make the film? Do I want to, do I enjoy looking through the viewfinder? Do I enjoy crafting the narrative arc? Do I like, that's why, tr like, 
con is mostly it's like you've moved on from the work because it was a year ago and you finished and you did all the hard work. And that's why I, inv I invoke that really loving that I loved being outside with the camera pressed to my face, working with someone else to create a picture that I thought was beautiful and said something I wanted to say. Winning the awards or getting hired to do a big commission or all of those other things, they were ancillary along the way to the process. So I would encourage you to look really carefully at that. Um, thanks for the question, Jackie. And let's see, I had two others that I had promised. One was Heather. And I think then there was, uh, it was Mike. Um, I'm gonna go to you, Heather. Uh, I'm unmuting you right now, Heather. I think it was Heather that I was gonna go to next. Hi. Hi. Uh, caught my attention early in the conference when you mentioned part of how you structure your day is to journal every morning. Is that what you said? I was wondering, is that just a, like a brain dump to get stuff out of your head or is, do you have more of a structured method and, and purpose for your daily journal writing? Awesome. Heather, great question. Uh, I want to clarify that. So the thing that I, when I mentioned journaling, that was mostly when I was writing the book. And I, it was just a way to make writing a part of my daily habit, writing in the capital W, like writing for the book, but also doing this and this. I mean, I was so in a, such in a dark place at one point. I remember saying, you know what, if this book fails or if my publisher rejects this manuscript, at least I got good at typing. I mean, I was, it was like such a dark place. And I mean, to type typing come out of all that would be, would, would really be tough. Um, but uh I, I will confess that I am currently flirting with um, that, pro that writing process again. And what I have, I'm, I'm currently testing out, I don't have it with me right now, but um, handwritten notes. Now my handwriting ended up getting so sloppy because I'm, my brain is wired to go fast. And so the distance between my brain and my hands ability to write is not as good as I'd wanted it to be. But I do find that there's something I, I'm, um, inspired by the handwritten word again in a way that I haven't. I think it's because I can also draw charts and graphs and things and pictures along the way, sketch and, and make little weird, very bad drawings. Um, but I find that writing as a brain dump, um, I can steer you towards several others since I don't have a structure, which is I think probably the gist of your question, but I don't personally have a structure. I think that there are morning pages ends up being a really good place that I've steered people in the past where I got, I get good feedback, like, Oh, cool. And if you just, you know, look up morning pages, Julia Cameron, the artist's way, there's a handful of books and Tim um, talk about that. Yeah, totally. Tim. Uh, yeah. Tim's a very dear friend. Um, we have talked about morning routines together um, and we've made lots of videos together and to both together and separate. Um, and we have also shared swap notes about morning pages. He's a radical advocate of it. Um, so morning pages, Julia Cameron, Tim Ferriss, you'll get lots of direction there for me. It's doing anything. I try and write down like, you know, what's working, what's not working list of stuff to do. Um, I find that I tend to think slowly. And then when I, when I grab onto an idea, I can get to execution and the vision takes shape really quickly, but the, like the initial landing is slow. And I know that writing things down and writing them out helps. So 
um, in periods where I'm, you know, in intense creative works like the book, that's when I have used it and it's been effective. Um, and then I think there was Mike, Mike Galvez, you still there, bud? Hello, hello. Um, hello, hello. Hey, so this might be a repeat of Jackie's question. Um, and it, I think it's been sprinkled throughout the conversation, which has been great. And, uh, but I'm, I'll ask it anyway. It's mainly about resistance versus intuition. So when it comes to uh, trying to identify mm. the doing the right work, which I think is on page 111, you talk about doing the wrong work. Uh, how do you mm -hmm. distinguish the difference between resistance, which is the work that you need to push through from your intuition, which is the work that's telling you to go, or, which is basically telling you to go run the other way. Um, as someone that gets stuck <laughs> in the imagine and design loop, and I've quit many, many things in my life, um, I feel mm -hmm. like if you want to hammer it home with this, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> Great. Um, I'm sort of kicking myself a little bit because my I was on a morning walk with Kate and she said, you know, you don't really talk all that much about resistance. And I mean, this is literally like 90 minutes ago, she said this to me. And my response to her, this is like, so it's going to be a really inelegant answer to your question, Mike. But my response is a lot of other people have written about resistance and you know, my, my wife is wise, so, so wise. Um, she's like the sage. And, you know, she said for her, some of the things that, you know, the harder we push, the worse it feels. And um, a lot of the times that that loop is, um, is not just paralyzing, but damaging to your mindset. It's damaging to a lot of aspects. And that is why I identify the whole process, you know? So my, my answer to her was like, there's a lot of people who've written at length about that. So it's hard for me to think of something new to say there. Um, the Artist's Way is great. I mentioned Julie Cameron just a minute ago. If you haven't read that book, it's fantastic. Um, there's also a, a bunch of uh, books like When the Body Says No, this is a resistance like the at a DNA and a, and a cellular level when you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing or that are hard or resisting. There's, it's, it's, there's a lot of written on it. Um, but because I don't have much to offer the way that I crafted the book to me is my answer. And that is if you're in an ID loop, that is I'm imagining and I'm designing and then I don't actually get to action and I'm imagining and designing and imagining and designing um, that's one loop. The other one is executing and amplifying and you tend to execute and amplify ideas that are not truly your, your big ideas or that are other people's ideas. And then that leaves you sort of out in the, out in the dust. But since you've talked about an ID loop, my, my, um, my prescription would be to follow the entire cycle on something, on anything and adjust the size of your project such that you can do an I, D, E, and A, that you can, um, you know, imagine something great, design a process to get it there, execute that process and amplify it. And it's my hope that this whole cycle, even if you do it on something small, that you get to see what it looks like and what it feels like. Because most people that I find that are in ID loops they haven't actually done the whole thing in so long that there's that is part of how the resistance manifests itself and builds. So I would do something small in a lightweight way that you can 
you know, let's go back to Yev's idea of a dinner party or for her is convening people to talk about big ideas around food at a, at a table. Like even if it's cooking a meal, throwing a dinner party that you can do I, D, E, and A, right? You can say, okay, cool. I'm going to imagine a dinner party. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to have. Here's the menus. Here's how I'm going to cook it. Here's who I'm going to invite. I'm going to do that thing. And then, you know, I'm going to, um, the amplification of it is, is in part, you're building that community and maybe you agree you're going to have three dinner parties. That is, I'm trying to do something that's very simple, but where you can run the whole process because it's in the running the whole process that you it could be argued that that is successfully performing this whole loop, right? This whole arc. And in, in doing it once, then it gives you the ability to look back at where you were stuck and where you like, was it the imagining part? Were you really imagining things that you didn't want for yourself that you, sh this is where I find most people get stuck, honestly, is I imagined a thing that I thought my wife, my partner, my spouse, my boss, my friends would approve of. And that is where most of the resistance comes from is because it's just like, ugh, I kind of, that's what I should be doing. It's what I ought to do. It's what culture thinks I should do. And that's where most, why most people, the, the resistance crops up. Now, again, there are people who've written at length on this. And so I don't want to try and, you know, replicate everything that they've said because um, it would be their work, not mine. Um, it would also take a long time. But my prescription, my antidote is to do something that you can do the whole idea circle in, do it a couple of times so that you have a reference for what it feels like to just complete the whole circle. And, um, and then go back and analyze if whether or not you were being dead honest with yourself around the imagining. Is it, is, it, is it truly what you want for yourself or are you trying to justify all the other things? There's a weird, you know, many of you have seen the movie The Secret and it's just, it paints it as a picture of just like, manifesting whatever you want in the world and and i why i believe in visualization deeply and i find that there's a lot of merit to the secret there's a part of there's part of it that is obviously not that awesome but um part of the um i'm not going to go down the secret i'm going to i'm going to shut up i want you to do the idea thing on something small okay and do it a couple of times and then i want you to uh be honest with yourself whether what you're imagining for yourself is something that is real or if it is augmented by everybody else's opinions. My belief is that it's augmented by other people's opinions. Um, if it's not the case in, in a month you've done this work and I'm still wrong, then hit me up on the text, text thread that, that I, I haven't been effective as a, as a coach and a mentor. All right, we're going to go to... Um, duh, duh, duh. Druvy Taylor. Is it okay to take breaks for several days? Druvy Taylor coming in from Facebook. Druvy, not only is it okay to take breaks for several days, I encourage it, but I want you to set up a system that you can do ongoing. And I would like you to say, I'm intentionally going to take a break for three days, not just let the break happen. And I think you probably understand the difference between those two things. Mental, emotional breaks, physical breaks, breaks are required. I would say learn to rest, not to quit. And just make sure that those breaks, if you can at all, are are planned. And if you're starting to feel burned out, give yourself some X number of time to recuperate. I often am I'm bad at this. And I find that when I am, I got my shit together enough to figure it out. I come back like, oh my God, that was amazing. Why am I so bad at that? And then 
my noodle forgets rather quickly. And I find myself back in that same position in say two to four to six months. Um, very good question. Hope that helps. I'm going to go back to Kaid, Kaid Collins on Twitter. Appreciate you, brother. What is the affirmation you tell most often? The affirmation. Um, mostly, this is, I, I think this is going to be antithetical or um, a little bit uh, disappointing because um, you probably wanted some zippy saying. Um, most of my, um, again, I'm, I'm couching this in sort of mantra rather than affirmation. It's just presence. Maybe this comes from having a wife as a, who's a mindfulness coach, but just being able to be present in the minute is such a powerful thing. It's it, just to be able to, you know, be here now, just to, to sit with things that are exciting and things that are awful. I've been, you know, I don't know about you know, all of y'all, but this, you know, last several weeks have been extra hard. Um, I made some videos about how hard it is. It's hard on lots of different levels. Um, and being able to sit with that is a very powerful thing. So most of my affirmations are around being able to be and not projecting into the future, thinking about the past, just like, how do I feel right now? A lot of things like body scans. And I would recommend um, meditation mindfulness practices for for that. So not some catchy phrase, um, but that's my answer there. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm going a little bit long here, but I'm, I'm going to go for three more minutes. going to go back to, let's see, I did Frank. E.L. Brookhart, this is from YouTube. What are you seeking in quotes? This question I, you asked Chase keeps coming up in my mind. I think I answer it and then it pops up again. Do you still ask yourself, what are you seeking? Do you still ask yourself, Chase, what are you seeking? I am very clear about what I'm seeking as often as possible. Maybe that's another echo of the sentiment from the question before. I'm, I try and be very clear with what my objectives are. Um, I tend to uh, stack rank them. I try and have a couple. Yes, I do some goal setting at the beginning of every year because it's a helpful reframing, but I check in daily. That's why I say I have some goals and I have some habits that I, I do on a daily basis. So what is it that I'm seeking? It's, it's almost, it's, it's something that I have developed and gotten good at, which is why I felt um, the authority to you know write a book about it. Um, I, yes, I write it down. I write down the things that I'm seeking and trying to create. And there are, to be fair, those are just like top line things. And there are a bunch of things that are in that sort of second tier of importance that I maybe articulate to friends or to my partner, Kate, or I, I write down um, or that I have preferences for those aren't the, those tend not to be the big ones. And, you know, the goal with this book was to do it with a project and then start to realize that that's how you can act on this for your life, that it's the same process. It's just creativity at a different scale. Okay. Back to, back to zoom. Anybody got a question here in the call? Mike Smith, I'm going to go to you, Mike Smith. I'm going to unmute you and away you go. Howdy. Hi, uh, Mike. 
<laughs> long time listener, first time caller. Love it. So, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, a lot of things over the first, you know, three weeks. But you've kept coming back to this notion of shitty first drafts. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, you know, how do you know, or or how do you think you know that you've reached a final draft or closing in on it? For one, mm-hmm. you know, is it just a feeling, or perhaps a consensus with peers? And sure. two. Uh, how do you not fall victim to the path of, uh, let's say, least resistance during that process? Like at a certain point, you have to plant your flag. You know, are you tinkering for too long mm-hmm. or too much? Yeah. Um, here's a really useful tool is time boxing them. Like that's deadlines matter, right? Deadline, mm-hmm. my book for a deadline is contractually negotiated and I have a, uh, I'm culpable. I'm, I'm, I have an obligation to meet that deadline. And so all of my actions ladder up to that deadline. And when the deadline hits, that's when I'm done. Um, and I think that's a really useful time for, you know, a noodler, which just sounds like you're probably a noodler. If you can put yourself in one of those camps, um, and that that's the best advice that I have is give yourself actual deadlines. The second, um, uh, sort of about, um, shitty first drafts and knowing when something's done when you don't have a deadline. Uh, this is why I, t- I usually use the words create and share in that same sort of like create and share. I usually don't say create and then share it. Or I try and put them as close together in proximity to one another in a sentence, in proximity in my mind, because the creating and sharing um, is a way to get feedback. You start to feel how you feel. You start to get emotions and learning and this idea of putting it out in the world that sharpens that just a little bit versus leaving it in a drawer or under a desk or on a hard drive somewhere. And there's a feeling of sort of permanence and, um, and there's just like, you've, you've done something versus and, and like the action of done of taking it, of sharing it on, even you can, you can revise it maybe as many times as you want. Um, but the cool thing is about completing things. The more you hit publish, the more you start to have a clear sense of what it feels like to be done and when something is done or done enough. And it's only through that act, you're going to publish things that maybe I eh, probably should have held off on this a little bit longer. And this is like so many things are habits and muscles. And these are skills that we develop over time. So I really encourage you to get in the habit of doing that as the best mechanism for developing your sensibilities, right? It's like personal style. Most people wanna do no work and have a personal style on day one. Repetition is the number one way that you can possibly create a professional personal style over and over and over and over and over. So it's, and this is a thing that most people don't like to hear, which is why I like you to imagine doing things that you really, really, really care about because when shit gets hard and it will, you have that to fall back on. So repetition, and time boxing. Okay. Um, I'm having too much fun. Uh, my team is curating some questions here since they're now too many. Um, Jorge, I have a creative agency with no accounts. Interesting. We believe in direct contact behind creatives and clients, no info loss. What do you think about this issue? Um, I think it's great if you can manage it, you know, when you have the creator who's actually working on the campaign, sitting down with the client, it's great. What I find is mostly there, there needs to be some account management present there. So if you have the ability and the structure or the flatness of an organization to have the PM 
and maybe you, the head of the agency, the creators who are working on it, sit down with the client. That's fantastic. Um, it's just hard to operate that business model. So if you found a way to do it, awesome. I think you should write a book because it's powerful to have the creators in, uh, interfacing with the client. Just know that those are different skills. The ability to create a great campaign and the ability to the ability to manage a client through the process of what it takes to make a great campaign. Those are slightly different things. And so you might be commingling things uh, where people who have lesser skills at the table because you want them to get the information, but it might unwittingly, unknowingly create problems in the process. Good luck with that, Jorge. And um, last question of the day is now back on Zoom. I'm going to... Oh, maybe there's a, oh, there's a comment. Oh, shoot, there's 99 comments in the chat. <laughs> I, I, this is the first time I'm opening the chat. <laughs> um, sorry about that, y'all. Um, I've been looking at the Creative Live TV, the chat from all the other platforms, and I haven't opened the Zoom chat here. Um, all right. Um, video calls are more fun. I think it's, is it an I and A N A I S are you, you got a question there? Or is that just a, was that little, is that a question? Are we going to go to it? All right. You get the last question. Say, tell me how to tell your, say your, say your name. Is it Anise? Anise. 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 Hi. Hi. Anise. Yes. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, who's that? Sorry. Who's your friend there? Who's your assistant? Sorry, she's she's been like driving me crazy the whole. <laughs> this is my dog Pippa. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um. Yeah, I wanted to ask you um a question regarding mindset. I know you talk a lot about mindset. I do. What would be um tips or exercise to like try to develop or change your mindset? Because sometimes mm. I I find myself myself struggling with mm -hmm. my um, mindset, I guess. Yep. So what would be good exercises to like? I'm going to, I'm going to go right at this. And I think the heart of mindset is gratitude is irreplaceable. You cannot possibly be angry and grateful at the same time. You cannot possibly be upset at the world and grateful at the same time. You cannot be, you, gratitude is such a space taker upper that it will shift your mindset in a moment faster than almost anything that I've ever experienced. I, not almost faster than anything I've ever experienced. And sometimes it's super hard when you're super pissed to find the good in the world, to find the thing that is, you're like, you know, the thing that you're grateful for is one step above crappy, but it's a step above crappy. So to me, a gratitude practice, and you know, I've, if you search my name in podcast, I have shared and walked through a very, very detailed gratitude practice. To me, that's foundational. I believe in things like mindset and meditation. Um, Tim Ferriss tells a story in his book. I believe it was, I don't know, maybe it's on his, one of the podcasts. I think it's, no, it was actually in Tools of Titans. I have a section there and he um, talks about myself and Rick Rubin, the music producer, discovered the Beastie Boys and produced probably a hundred of the top 500 albums of our day. It really got him into, into um, meditation as a super, super valuable foundation that to me was a slingshot. It took every other aspect of my life and elevated it. Um, I use transcendental meditation, but um, visualization, gratitude. Uh, Tony Robbins does a thing called priming. 
Um, obviously, you know, folks like Desmond Tutu talk a lot about uh, uh, gratitude, um, thankfulness. These are these are practices that I I feel like are, um, you know, most of these are you know thousands of years old. Um, all of them have science as a backer of uh, of support for their ability to um, to help and just the concept between growth and fixed mindset, Angela, uh, not Angela Duckworth, um, Carl D or Carol Dweck, the book mindset is a great read. Um, and it essentially, she is the, the mother of the growth mindset, which is that you go back to something I said earlier in this broadcast, you have to believe two things. One, that your situation is changeable and two, that you have the capacity to make that change. Um, that is the concept of a growth mindset versus I'm stuck here. Woe is me. Um, but I just, I'll, I'll, one final word on that. Um, and you're not alone. It's one of the chief, you know, things I wanted to cover today is mindset. It's the foundation of the creative pyramid with uh, mindset habits, goals. Um, and it is the thing, if you look at the list of daily habits and creativity boosters, most of them support mindset first and foremost. So it's not a surprise that this is something you want to do work on. It's not an accident that I put so much time into it in the book. And it's also true that of all of the people that I interact with who are of the highest performers in the world, my own experience when I've been the most successful and fulfilled, it is 90% mindset, 90%. Skills, 10%, 90% mindset. All right. Went way crazy long today. Um, I attribute that to the Zoom call. Thanks so much for experimenting. I hope the folks that weren't on the Zoom, you might get the hint that it'd be a great time to join the text community, which is 206-309-5177. That's my number. And I will respond. Again, I've filtered it through an app so I can do things like group responses. Um, and I sent a couple of videos out for those of you who are on it today. You can shout out in the, in the uh, comments. Um, but I want to thank everyone. I want to just recap quickly. Um, what are some of your creativity zappers and creative, creativity boosters? Do more of the things that help you and less of the things that hurt you. I think the news is one that we can all acknowledge is really very hard right now. It's been sensationalized. I'll just use my own experience. This autonomous zone just came out today that Fox News digitally altered photos and video of the Seattle autonomous zone, showed people carrying AR-15s up there. I made a video that's on my Instagram right now from this place yesterday. Hmm. Free water, food, medical tents, singing, dancing, activism, conversation, community around shared ideas. It was everything but what you had seen on television and it wasn't just Fox, but that Fox was the one that digitally altered the images. Um, so news, maybe take a news diet, whatever it is for you, what drains you and what juices you do more of what juices you less of what drains you do a time audit, do a financial audit. Any one of these things would be amazing. If you did all of them high fives to you build a, a calendar that you can keep. And if you miss one, don't schedule two hours every day for seven days schedule an hour every other day so that you do it three times a week. And if you miss, then you have a little bit of space in your life to, to make it up. Um, and then read the section called execute for next week. This is a part that some people find trying because it is doing the work and it is getting you out of the, the dreamy world. Um, you know, 
I think Mike is a little bit around Mike's question, a little bit around, you know, we heard from Terry, we heard a little bit from Trenda. I think we, you know, a lot of people chimed in um, that with questions or comments that were relevant to our conversation around designing, but ultimately had a lot of merit in doing the work. So I think I covered everything and then some that I wanted to today. I want to say thanks to the team that helped me produce this. Thanks to you all. Um, well, I'll look for your reviews on Amazon. I'm grateful to have this community and this time together. Um, you know how to reach me. I'm widely available on the internet. I just want to say thanks. Um, waving bye from my basement in Seattle. Hope all y'all are awesome. I'm looking forward to next Saturday already. Appreciate it. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here. Whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So, again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at Creative Live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.